Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us here as actually we wrap up our series called Hear Our Cry. This series has really been about learning that lost and forgotten art of lament. And I know in many ways, I know in many ways that this series has been kind of weighty. It has been kind of heavy and challenging and even stretching. But what I'd say, at least for myself, is that I've needed this. That it has challenged me and stretched me in good and necessary and needed ways. Ways so that I can pour out to God whatever is within me so that then I actually might be able to hear from him. And that's what we want to continue on in today. We want to continue learning and especially finishing up uh, this whole series by looking at Lamentations 5. And if you haven't been a part of it, if you're just joining with us, I'd encourage you to go back and honestly listen to every single one of these sermons because I think that this is some of the most important teaching and learning that we can do as a community right now during COVID is for us to learn how to lament. And so what we've already taken a look at is the need for us to courageously name what we are going through. We've then seen how we actually need to sit in discomfort, listening to different voices. We then saw uh, the importance of recognizing both personal and corporate sin. And then we saw last week with Dr. Soong Chang Ra just the importance of actually naming those things that have died and the dead bodies within our lives and world and society so that we can actually properly lament to then actually move towards hope. And that's what I want to talk about today, actually, how we can move towards hope in and through lament. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Lamentations 5 to wrap up this series on that book that many of us weren't as familiar with when we began. And so today, we're going to be seeing in Lamentations 5 that this is the most standard of all the chapters, actually. It follows a really standard uh, pattern in terms of lament. This is what is called, in terms of the genres of lament, uh, what is called a communal lament. And these are ones that we see very frequently in the Psalms. In fact, if you read the book of Psalms, and you should, okay? If you read the book of Psalms, which is really the prayer book of the Jewish people, right? These are the songs and the prayers that they would sing. 40% of the Psalms are actually Psalms of lament, actually 40%. So this was so prominent in their lives, it should be prominent in ours as well, which is why I've been saying we need to practice lament. And this form of lament, this communal lament, it actually has a number of different stages. First, there's an address, then there is complaint, then there is a turn towards trust, and then finally there is another address asking for deliverance. And so we're gonna see that in uh, Lamentations 5, that we're gonna see first the address to God, this is verse one. Then we're gonna see the complaint, this is verses two uh, to verses 18. Then we're going to see the turn towards trust and praise. This is in verses 19. And then lastly, we see the address again and deliverance in verses 20 to 22. And so we're going to begin just working through those different structures and um, those different kind of sections and learning here together. So to begin with, we're going to learn about how the narrator or Jeremiah turns towards God with an address. So we read this in Lamentations 5, verse 1. It says, Lord, Lord, remember what has happened to us. See how we have been disgraced. And the key word right there in the address is that word remember, actually. In Hebrew, it's the word zakar, and it means to not only bring to mind something, to bring to the forefront of your mind, it actually means to be reminded in some way also of some promises. Because here's what's really going on here. When Jeremiah says, Lord, remember, he is calling to God to not only remember uh, what has happened to the people, but also God's responsibility to the people. That's what's going on here. It's both the remembering and the responsibility that's being called forth. Because as we learned last week, that yes, God is faithful to judge. And if he is faithful to judge, though, he will also be faithful to redeem. So Jeremiah here is reminding God of some of his responsibility and says, remember us. Remember what we're going through. Remember the covenant. That's the undercurrent or the under kind of theme that's going on in that address. And then we move back into kind of lament more proper in verses 2 to 18, where we read really of complaint, of people pouring out their hearts to God. And we're going to see all the same sort of themes that we've seen throughout this series. So I want to read to you some of the verses um, and so that we can just continue to get a sense of what lament is and how we can be talking to God. We read this in verse 2. 
It says our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We are orphaned and fatherless. Our mothers are widowed. We have to pay for water to drink and even firewood is too expensive. It says this, that those who pursue us are at our heels. We are exhausted, but given no rest. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough food to survive. Our ancestors sinned, but they have died. And we are suffering the punishment they deserved. And here we see all those themes that we've been learning. We see some really courageous naming because remember, lament never denies the realities of life. Lament speaks them. Lament brings it forth. So it talks about how they are exhausted, pursued, just so uh, in such a difficult place. It talks about the cost of water and of firewood, but it's not about water and firewood. Those are necessities for life. They're saying, we don't even have enough to live. That's what's going on here. And they're complaining. They're crying out to God with it. We also see a similar theme of, again, the corporate sin. Corporate sin that we so often don't name within our world, but we see it so clearly in these verses. Listen to that verse at the end. It says, our ancestors sinned, but they have died. We are suffering the punishment they deserve. And what we are seeing here again is that we are both responsible for and we experience the consequences of corporate sin. That's what that verse is saying, that they're both responsible for and are experiencing the consequences of corporate sin. And so they cry out to God. And it continues, actually, this verses of complaint. It actually gets quite, quite, quite dark, quite, quite brutal, and in some ways quite, quite explicit, actually. It talks about violence and in some ways things that are like torture and other things that are almost unspeakable. But that's actually kind of the point with lamentations and with lament is that there actually isn't anything that is unspeakable. That if you go through it, if you suffer because of it, you can name that to God. That's what we see in verses, especially 12 through 18. We see some really brutal naming. But if you've gone through something, what lament teaches us is that you can name it to God. That lament, it never denies the heaviest realities of our lives. It allows us to speak them. That's what lament does. It never asks us to deny the really heavy parts of our lives. It invites us to speak them and to speak them to God and to others and to courageously name. And so then we end uh, with these last few verses. It says this in the last section of, of, of complaint. It says, joy has left our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The garlands have fallen from our heads. Weep for us because we have sinned. Our hearts are sick and weary and our eyes grow dim with tears. For Jerusalem is empty and desolate. And in some ways, in some ways, you might expect that that's where lament would end, right? With this really, really heavy and disconcerting kind of space, right? But that actually isn't where the lament ends. Because lament, follow with me, lament isn't like just a pity party. That's not what lament is. Lament is an ecclesiological, it's a theological way for us to process hurt and to find hope even in the midst of hell and hurt and difficulty. That's what lament is. It's a way for us to find hope in whatever we are facing. And so what happens is as soon as they voice this, then there is a turn towards praise, a turn towards hope, a turn towards trust. And so instead we read this verse. We read this in verse 19. But Lord, you remain the same forever. This is reminding the people that God is the same today and tomorrow and he is the same forever. And that means that he will continue to be true to his promises, that he'll continue to be true to his covenant. He'll continue to be true to what he has said he will do. And it says this, your throne continues from generation to generation. This is about God's reign and his rule, that he is the one in charge. He is the one who is ultimately setting the direction for lives. He is the one who will bring to completion what he has begun. This is a verse of hope. That's what this is. Listen to that verse. But you, O Lord, you remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. This is really like shorthand way of saying that God is faithful. God is good. God is covenantal. God will not give up on his people. 
That's what's going on here in this short, small little verse. That it's as if after the people have shared all that is within them, they can then turn towards hope, turn towards trust, turn again towards God. And this, this is where I think we would like lament to end. You know, on the upswing, you know, with all of a sudden like some celebration, some praise. Some of you are like, finally, we're getting into some like celebration and praise. That's what we need. But that actually isn't where the book ends. We begin with an address. We begin with complaint. And then there's a turn to, tr- uh, to trust and to hope. But then there's another address and even complaint almost at the end. I want to really focus in on the last few verses of Lamentations for today. Because it doesn't end all neat and tidy. It doesn't end all perfect and put together. It actually ends on like a minor note. It ends in some confusion and some doubt and some deep uncertainty. I want to read to you uh, the very last verses of the book of Lamentations. It says this. Then why? Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? It says this. Restore to us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us still? And that's the end. And the text just closes off. That's where it all ends, actually. I just want to read that again, because this is powerful. Listen to the questions that are being kind of lodged against God. In some ways, they're almost accusations, right? That's almost what's going on here. Just listen to how the writer speaks. It says, why do you continue to forget us? This is how it ends. Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? Restore us, Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Or, or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us still? That's where it ends. I think the question then for us is, what happens when we're in a similar space? What happens when we go through everything and in the end, we're almost just left with unanswered questions? In the end, we're just left with almost doubt and uncertainty and confusion. What if in the end, we go through all the process of lament and we end with questions like that? Are you angry with us? Have you rejected us? Have you abandoned us? Do you even remember what we are going through? What happens when you get to that space? That's what I want to focus in on today. And to help us understand what to do when you're in that space and why this matters, this ending of lament, I have to point out one massive, glaring, obvious, I don't know, missing you know, gap that we should have realized by now. Has anyone, after five weeks of preaching on lament, and honestly, we've almost read, like, we've read so much of the book of Lamentations uh, through our services here together. Has anyone noticed something that is, like, massively missing in all the pieces of scripture that we've read? Has anyone noticed, I don't know, maybe it's not uh, something, but a someone that has been missing? Has anyone noticed that amidst all the voices that we've heard, Jeremiah, the narrator, the city, all these other voices, one voice that is conspicuously absent, right? Have you noticed that the voice of God is absent from this entire book. What I mean by that is, after all the verses that we have read, we never hear, and it's saying like, and the Lord spoke, and the Lord said. We never hear God's response to the people, right? That amidst all the voices that we are hearing speaking, don't you think we would be hearing from the voice of God, right? Are you, are you kind of noticing what I'm saying, right? That there just seems to be almost this absence of God actually directly speaking. In other prophetic books, we often hear of God actually directly speaking or answering or responding. Yet we don't see that here in the book of Lamentations. So what's going on? What does this mean for us? Because in some ways, when you hear those questions of like, God, have you rejected us? God, do you forget us? God, are you angry with us still? What we would expect is for God to respond, right? So what's going on? And why is it that perhaps we haven't heard from God directly in this book of Lamentations? Or him speaking, you know, directly a word of the Lord or anything like that. 
Well, here's, here's the reason why, okay? Or here's what, like, I think. That lament, truly practiced, follow with me. Lament, truly practiced, isn't about hearing from God. Lament, truly practiced, prepares you to hear from God. Let me say that again, because I think this small distinction massively matters. That lament really isn't about hearing from God. That lament prepares you to hear from God. It clears space in your soul to hear from God. It maybe clears away some of the noise in your life so you can hear from God. That lament is a process that you can work through or that we can work through as a church or that we can work through as a people that allows us to hear God's voice clearly again. And here's why I think this matters so immensely, is that what I know, at least for me personally, and likely you've experienced this as well, is that when I'm in the pit of despair, when stuff has gone like really bad, when I felt betrayed and I just wonder like, why is it that I even do what I do? Like, why do I even do this? Why do I even do this? What I know is that when I'm in spaces like that, that even though, follow with me, because this will sound kind of funny, but even though that I long to hear from God, I am not in the space to hear from God. That even though when I'm in the deepest, darkest places that I long to hear from him, when there is so much hurt, pain, difficulty that is within me, it hijacks my emotions, it creates noise in my life, it almost overwhelms the voice of God that is happening, that I can't hear of him even though I desperately want to or need to. This is some of the power of lament. It gives us a way to process all that we are feeling, all the hurt that we are experiencing, all the difficulty that we are bearing, and it allows us to kind of pour it out so that then, so that then we might actually hear from God. I think lament, what it does, is it opens up our hearts to hear from God. It pours out all the accusations, hurts, pains, doubts, confusion, whatever is there. It pours it all out to God, so that then there might be a moment of stillness, of silence, that we might actually hear God's voice speaking to us. Because follow with me, this is what I absolutely believe, that while, while God has been silent in the book of Lamentations, God has not been absent. Amen? Just think about this, that while God has been silent, he has not been absent. He has been hearing, he is present, he is listening to the cries, and we're almost just waiting now for his response. I think that's where the book of Lamentations leads us to. It leads us to those questions of God, are you angry? God, are you forgetful? God, are you still for us and with us? That's how the passage ends. It's as if the writer is moving us to the space to finally hear the response from God, to finally hear what he might say, that after all the cries have been poured out, that we might then hear clearly from God how he might respond and how he might speak to us. Or to put it differently, here's what I believe. I believe that lament, truly practiced, it just opens us up to hear from God. I think that's what lament is about. It actually opens us up to hear from God and gives us a way to process all the hurt that we might be feeling and experiencing so that then we can hear God speak. So for me then, for me then the obvious question is if lament actually truly practiced does open us up to hear from God, the question is, is what is God saying, right? That after we've been working through this for, you know, five weeks, what is God saying? Or here in the text, if it leads us to those questions, what is God's response, right? What is God's response? Well, I think it's clear that the text itself doesn't tell us God's response, right? That the questions are just where it ends, right? We've read them and how it talks about those questions of, have you forgotten us? Have you abandoned us? Will you not restore us? Will you not bring us back again? Will you not bring us the joy that we need? Have you rejected us? Are you angry with us? Those are the questions that the book of Lamentations ends on. But I believe that God has actually answered those questions. I believe that we can have hope today. I believe that those questions have not gone unanswered. Do you want to know where I believe that God has answered those questions? I believe that God has answered those questions in and through the person of Jesus Christ. 
That's where I believe that God has truly, faithfully, and honestly answered those deepest cries of our hearts. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. Because when I read this passage where it says, why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us so long? Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us still? When I hear those passages read, I can't help but think of Jesus Christ and that Jesus is the answer to those questions. Now, I know no Jewish interpreter is going to make that move when they're reading the book of Lamentations. I know that, but I'm a Christian, so I can't help but see Jesus as the answer to those deep, profound human questions that the the, uh, narrator is crying out on behalf of the people. So we read of those questions of, have you forgotten us, God? I think the answer in Jesus Christ is clearly no. God has not forgotten us, actually. He has sent his son to rescue us, to redeem us, to bring us back. Are you angry with us still? That's the question that the narrator asks. I think the answer because of Jesus is clearly no. All anger and wrath was dealt with on the cross by Jesus Christ. Or we lead of the question, God, have you abandoned us? No. No, because of Jesus Christ, we can say absolutely not. God has not abandoned us. Instead, what he's promised us is that his love is so strong that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Or what about the question, have you rejected us, God? Again, no, absolutely not. I believe that because of Jesus, we can say that we are not rejected. We are actually adopted in. We are now sons and daughters, and we call God our Father. My point with all of this is that as a Christian, I believe that the practice of lament is necessary and needed. And I believe that what lament does is that it leads us to hearing from God. And as a Christian, then, what I want to state as unequivocally clear as I can is that then that leads us to hearing from Jesus, that leads us to hearing Jesus speak. Because what I think Lamentations really does reveal is it reveals our inability to save ourselves. Let me say that again. I believe that Lamentations, what it really reveals is our inability to save ourselves. We hear the people crying out, God, save us. Would you rescue us? Would you come and uh, fight for us? And as a Christian, the only person who saves and rescues and heals is Jesus Christ. So today, what I want to say as clearly as I can is that lament, truly practiced, it opens us up to hear from God. And ultimately then, I believe as a Christian, if we are practicing this, that it opens us up to hear from Jesus. Because I really believe that Jesus is truly the answers to those questions in this passage in Lamentations 5. And to say that Jesus is the answer, that is not not a cheap way of avoiding the real pain that we go through, right? Because cancer is real. Racism is real. Broken bodies and hurt and betrayal and all of that is real. But in the midst of it, if we pour it out to God, we can then hear him speak. We can then hear him come and respond to us. I think that's what we need. I think that's where lament moves from sorrow to hope, is when we start to hear from the Lord. It's when we start to hear from Jesus. It's when he starts to speak to us in that space. So what's my main point today? My main point is, honestly, it's just that lament practice truly. Here's what I think it does. It orients us to seeking, finding, and hearing the voice of Jesus. That's what I think it honestly does. It leads us into seeking, finding, and hearing the voice of Jesus. I think that what we see in the end of Lamentations 5 is the writer crying out to God. And I think that Jesus is the answer to those questions. I think that Jesus is the answer to all that we are facing and that he wants to actually speak to us and respond to us. I think that what lament does is a clear space for us to actually hear from God. So today, what does this mean for us? Well, I think it means it's just this. I think it means that we should practice lament. We should courageously name things. We should pour it all out to God. We should sit with discomfort, listen to different voices. We should name our corporate and personal sin. We should do all of that. But then in and through doing all of that, what we should also do is we should listen for God's response. We should listen for what he might say. We should listen for his voice. And so today, to close our entire series, that's what we want to do.
We want to spend time today just actually listening for the voice of Jesus to allow you to pour out whatever it is that is within you, whatever you've been carrying over the past number of weeks or years or decades even, and to just pour it out and to let God speak to you, to let Jesus speak to you, to meet with him. Because as I said, our main point is I actually really truly do believe that lament rightly practiced, it orients us to seek, to find, and to hear from Jesus. And I think that's what we need. Because if we are ever going to find salvation from all that we you know, carry and walk through, it begins with Jesus. It begins always with him. So today, to close, we're actually going to practice communion together. We're going to take some time, and we're actually going to sit with Jesus and to just listen for him. That's what communion is about. It's about focusing our hearts in and on him and what he has done for us. And so today, we are going to bring anything that is broken within us, and we're going to bring it to Jesus, just as his body was broken. We're going to bring all of our doubts and confusion to Jesus, and we're going to listen for his promises and his faithfulness to the covenant. That's what the cup is about. And we're going to take this together. So to close today, I just want to remind you that lament is a necessary needed practice and that after we work through it all, we go through all the courageous naming, all that goes on, I think it does is it opens us up to hear from Jesus. And that's my prayer for each and every one of us today, that we might hear from him, that we might find him, that we might experience him, and ultimately that we might find salvation, healing, rescue, and transformation from him. So would you join with me in prayer today? God, I just ask, might you truly be speaking to us I pray, Lord, would we be able to hear you. I pray, God, could we pour out all the complaints we have, all the accusations, all the doubt, everything that is within us, but then yet, Lord, might we hear your response. Might we hear you speaking to us because, God, we need you to direct us. We need you to move us. We need you to speak to us. So, God, I pray in this next few moments, I pray would your voice be speaking so clearly to us. Would we have ears to hear you? Would we have eyes to see you? And might our hearts be attuned towards you? And we just pray this all in the wonderful name of God the Father. Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. And so to close our time together before communion, we actually want to give you some space just to listen and to hear from God. We're going to have some quiet instrumental kind of music that we've played. And this is just a moment for you to focus in on the voice of Jesus, to pour out any of those questions that you may have and then listen for his response because God is still speaking, God is still moving, and that is why we can have hope even in the midst of lamenting. So we're going to invite you into this in this moment followed which there'll be a song and a dance to again help you simply to reflect on Jesus, to hear from him, and to respond to him. So let's take the time to do that here together.